The Production Expert Podcast is brought to you with the support of New Gen Audio with Julian Rogers, Emma Bard, and Eli Kranzberg. Well, welcome to the Production Expert Podcast number 378, July the 16th, 2019. I'm Julian Rogers. I'm Eli Kranzberg. And I'm Emma Butt. Emma, hello, Emma. Um, Emma is a is a relative newcomer to the site, and uh, possibly isn't quite as well known as uh, we regulars. So, Emma, d- d- give us a kind of like, potted history of who you are and, and and what brought you here. Oh God. Um, well, I am obviously Irish. Hopefully, people can tell from the accent. Um, I am a dubbing mixer, sound editor, and ADR recordist. I've been doing that for about over twelve years now. Fantastic. NewGen Audio provides award-winning tools for audio analysis, mixing, and mastering used by the world's top names in music, broadcast, and post-production. NewGen's Visualizer is a comprehensive audio analysis suite designed to help give mixing and mastering engineers a complete and multifaceted understanding of their audio through a number of intuitive views. The correlation by frequency view in particular is useful for ensuring mono compatibility of your audio during the mixing stage. This view uses detailed spectrum analysis to display the frequency phase correlation between left and right channels on an easy to read scale showing the difference between completely correlated and completely decorrelated audio. Whilst left and right decorrelation is essential for spatial effects, this view can help ensure that the audio will retain the same impact when downmixed to mono or when the listener is removed from the ideal stereo listening environment. NewGen Audio are running a special offer exclusively for production expert podcast listeners. To get a $100 voucher that can be used on any NewGen Audio bundle and to learn more about NewGen Audio and use the voucher, click on the link in the podcast article or go to newgenaudio.com slash expert. Um, so uh, deals, Emma, what deals have we got running? Okay, in deals, Quiet Art have a special introductory price under new WaveRider TG, a new plugin which offers the same level riding technology as found in their class-leading WaveRider V3, but in a simpler, easier-to-use plugin, which, unlike WaveRider V3, is available to all as it comes in VST and AU versions, as well as AAX. WaveRider TG offers the speed of using a compressor, but the control and lack of compression artifacts of using volume automation. Check out this deal to get this plugin for $59 instead of the regular price of $129. There are also some great new deals from our partners like Universal Audio, Editor Keys, Avid, and Focusrite on our deals page. Fantastic. So, uh, on to talking points, uh, which are sponsored by Universal Audio. Take it away, Fab. Good morning, children. This is Fab Dupont. The Protos Expert Podcast Talking Points are brought to you with the support of Universal Audio. Build your own custom bundle of any of three, six, or ten UAD plugins for one low price and save over 60%. Just pick your bundle option and then select your plugins instantly. So, on to talking points. And uh, this week we were talking about DSP, DSP in studio monitors as opposed to DSP for plugin processing, although they're both kind of the same thing, just a different application. But uh, yeah, uh, let's pick that up. I don't know, uh, Eli. Eli, you, I know, have some experience of using some uh, some DSP in monitoring. Um, basically, with, with DSP, I mean, wh- what are you using it for? The thing that came out from this piece is you can use it. It depends what you want to use it for. How are you using DSP? You know, I, I'm going to make a, a little confession here. I actually don't really use it. And the reason is, is because my positioning in my room is pretty good. I'm not too close to the walls. I'm not right on top of my desk. I, I, I have it and I've 
tweaked it and adjusted it and tried it. I wanted to hear what it did. But to me, it's all about, you know, how well you know your monitors, whether the response is flat or not flat, or whether you're using DSP or not. It's how well you know them, how well you mix on them, and how well those mixes translate. Now, you can do that with great sounding monitors or crappy sounding monitors. It's easier with great sounding monitors, of course. But the DSP thing is meant to tweak and compensate for things like if your speaker is too close to the wall, you know, the reflection from the back of the speaker, especially if there's bass ports in back, the reflection off the wall will bounce off and it'll color the sound and build up sort of a resonance in the low end. So you have a filter that you can dial down a dB or two or, or however much to compensate for that. So if you're not too close to the wall, you don't really need that. It's there to sort of compensate and and fix problems that may exist. It's obviously better if they don't exist. So that's one type of use of, of DSP when you have like a low filter to compensate for resonances that build up from being too close to a wall. Um, another one, and this is, uh, I don't, I'm, I'm, I was going to say it's unique to Eve Audio, but I don't know if it is. I'm sure other speaker developers do it as well. But Eve has what they call a shelf filter. And that's, you know, a lot of us have smaller monitors now. They're actually sitting right on our desks. You know, rather than being mounted on separate stands, they're sitting on the desk. And therefore, you can get reflections and resonances building up from it bouncing down onto your mixing board or your keyboard or whatever's sitting in front of you on your desk. So there again, you have a filter with a couple of dB that can compensate if there's unnatural resonances or builds up occurring from it sitting on the desk aiming right at, you know, your mixing board or keyboard or whatever console you have. So again, you can booster cut a couple of dB. And the third thing is a high frequency booster cut. And that, I don't know if it's meant specifically to cure specific placement problems, but it's a tweak that you can, you know, either boost or, or attenuate for the high end, a couple of dB, I guess, just to optimize your listening, how you want to mix on them. Um, anyway, that's my take on it. You know. I want to I want to jump in on that. I mean, the shelf filter. The shelf filter is definitely not unique to to Eve. Desk. Um, that's what they call a desk filter. Desk. Yeah. On desk, um, desk. The thing. I mean, I've I've come across that on a few things. That's an interesting case, just because um, the issue with any of this correction is. I mean, if you've got manual correction, and the thing I like actually about the the Eves, and I think I said so in the piece, is that um, the controls to adjust them are on the front. Yeah, that's really fantastic. It's I like agree. it's it's not just fantastic, it's kind of the right place just because yeah. I've done load how many times have I done tweaks and changing settings off the back panel of a of a of a monitor to then have to walk around the front to, to listen to what difference it's made. Yeah. That's not really the right way to do things. Thankfully, if we're talking proper network control and stuff, you can just sit there and do off an iPad or something. But certainly I've done that many times in the past. Yeah. But the thing that's interesting about this is when you're confronted with this stuff especially if you're used to the environment, you're used to, you're used to the sound of it. And, and our ears, hearing's a perceptual process. We, um, you, you compensate for stuff. Yeah. In the same way that if you turn something up, your ears turn themselves down. You know, your, your bones in your middle, middle ear all take that stuff out and, you know, we get the whole book drop in a library effect, you know. But mm-hmm. um, because of that, it's, it's really difficult I think, to set this stuff up correctly, which is why all of the measurement stuff, and we'll get to that in a minute, using mics and da, 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 is is so useful just because it takes that whole kind of perceptual issue away and it's kind of like, okay, let's put a known signal out and then this is actually what's wrong, okay, you, without you actively listening to it. And 
and kind of undoing what's happening and making it okay again with your brain, which is certainly yeah. what we tend to do. Anyway, the thing that's interesting about the shelf filter, or which you didn't call it desk, yeah. desk filter, thank you, mm. is that that's one case where you don't need to listen because if you've got if you've got a bookshelf type speaker on a, on on a flat surface, then the geometry doesn't really change much because you know you've got a triangle and part of that triangle is pretty much fixed because you've got the height from the drivers to that surface and up again. And this is why, and that's what I thought was interesting looking at that. You've got two different frequencies for the two different Eve monitors. Yeah. And the bigger one is, oh, no, no, no. But between the two models, you've got two different cut frequencies. And that'll be because the geometry's changed because one speaker's bigger. Do you see what I mean? So the dimensions mm-hmm. change. If that's not what's going on, then I'm deeply confused. But well, no, they also have a thing for, I believe it's for the desk one, where if you attenuate and if you boost, it's working at different frequencies. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's, yeah, they're kind of doing different jobs then, though. They're, they're, yeah, That's yeah, what exactly. I took was kind yeah, of like, yeah. yeah. But between the, I, I forget the name of the monitors, but you have a, a smaller one and a bigger one. Yeah, the, the SC203s and the SC207s. And the cut frequencies were different. And I went, aha, I see why yeah. that is. Where I've come yeah. across that before was uh, another one that was in that that piece, which was the Neumann KH80DSPs, which I, I really liked just because I liked the, the, the angle they'd taken on it. And you had some... Uh, back panel switches in the same way as, as you've got front panel controls on the eaves and lots and lots mm. of things. You've got back panel switches and you've got one of those desk cut notch filter type things to try to undo some of that stuff. And then the, the other, other stuff the they other do thing, as well. Go on. The other thing that's interesting about the eaves that I think is worth mentioning, a lot of the older technology, you have dip switches with three positions, you know, off, boost, or cut. I like on the eaves that it's adjustable at 0.5 dB increments up and down about 3 dB. So, you you know, it's not just like on or off. Mm. You, you get, you can dial in as much or a little of it as you want in up to a point. So it's a little more controllable. Fair enough. Um, the the other one that I'm that I'm aware of is that uh, Dynaudio are releasing. I saw them at Nam the the core speakers, and they're taking a similar kind of line on this stuff. And uh, I haven't had a much of a conversation. Well, I had some kind of conversation with those guys uh, when I was there, but they've got this kind of back panel control that we're very used to, and we've had analog filters on mm-hmm. the back of stuff like my old Genelex. Kind of, I don't know how old they are. Twenty years old now. They've got little dip switches on the back, but there's nothing. Yeah. There's nothing digital going on in there. That's all just analog filters. Yeah, my old Mackies had that as well. Yeah, HR eight twenty eight. Yeah. But the thing about this is they're giving that familiar interface that people can be bothered to set up because what they found was an awful lot of people didn't had had the facility to do really detailed adjustments in DSP, and most people just left them flat. Hmm. So, um, but the the filtering that's gone is much more sophisticated, and exactly in what way it's more sophisticated, I, I didn't really go into. But it's it's that familiar interface I thought was useful. This mm. always brings up that story of uh, there is a school of thought that says the reason why NS10s were so popular was because the geometry worked out so that that first reflection off a, off a large format console, if you placed a pair of NS10s mm. on it, actually worked constructively in a way that made NS10 sound better. Interesting. I never so if that. you take yeah. NS10s and you don't put them on a G-series... <laughs> And you just have them somewhere, then you're kind of not getting the same thing. And I'd, I've never tested that. It's a story that I've heard. It you know, I had true. a pair of NS10s. I, don't, I haven't used them in years, but I I remember I distinctly liked them a lot better laid out horizontally rather than vertically. I just, maybe it was the height of my stands and my, you know, the triangle, but it worked for me better horizontal oh, than okay. vertical. 
So, so Emma, we're, we're off on one there. This, um, um, I'm finding it fascinating, to be honest, because this is something that I've never explored. Okay. All right. So, so I mean, strictly analog. Do you tend to work in 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 reasonably treated rooms? Generally, yes. Because mm. I'm freelance, when I go into the studios, they've usually, well, touch wood, hopefully, uh, been calibrated. Um, the rooms have been built properly, and they mm. generally sound really nice. So it's not something that I have to think about. It's it's something that, I mean, and the, the last point in this piece uh, from today was that uh, you don't have to. It's not it's an either or it's not an either or choice. Um, and yes, it sounds very much like uh, the benefits of this. I, I think the benefits of these things are really really benefit people who are working in untreated rooms and rooms that aren't yeah. purpose built. Which is a lot of us, you know. Which is so many of us. And, yeah, and, exactly. and it's and this is why the kind of like the appeal and possibly why this isn't really part of your world might well be because you are working in bespoke environments that are set up for that purpose rather than in in a bedroom because it's you know economically the most the most sensible decision. You know? It's like Although in saying that, I mean this is actually applicable to me working from home, which I have to do, you know, occasionally. And it's something that I never even realised was about that could help me in my, like, work environment. Something that I think is quite relevant to this stuff is that there's lots and lots of these solutions going on um, at the moment. And so many people aren't, aren't working in places that they can treat. And we've sort of touched on this before, but people say, well, you should, you should get, you know... Uh, a load of uh, well, passive acoustic treatment, effectively. And it's like, okay, you could do that. However, an awful lot of people don't have that luxury because, well, frankly, they're, they're living in rented. And if they're working yeah. from home, they yeah. can't go drilling holes in walls. And this is why this yeah. stuff becomes increasingly relevant for an awful lot of people. Um, I'm wondering about um, – we, uh, we, we have the, the, the solution – to a problem, but the thing that's difficult about this is always uh, to 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 quantify exactly what answer it, what the answer is to your problem. If you see what I mean, and this is why the automated uh, style uh, measurement solutions that you, you generate GM GMLs and uh, and sonar works and these kinds of things, uh, Trinov. Um, if you measure the room correctly, it's not difficult to set up DSP to 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 compensate for whatever the problem is you identify but the trick and anyone who's ever done any work around around acoustic stuff is that acoustics is 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 a science but it's it's there's also a, there's a, a lot of skill to it i'm avoiding using the word art because it is not an art it's 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 most definitely a science but it's a skilled job taking and interpreting uh measurements i mean has, has, anyone, has anyone ever used smart sia smart is i don't think it's even made by sia anymore but it's the no. um no. it's it's, uh, if you go to a gig, um, you'll sometimes see uh, see like an Earthworks mic or something up at the back, and someone's running a real time analyzer, and it's uh, and you calibrate the system, and you do this whole kind of thing like like Sonarworks and stuff does. And the thing that I've always quite liked about it is that uh, I, I mean, you can do some very very skilled stuff if you're practiced and skilled enough to interpret the results. This is the thing; it's not like get the software and it will do it for you. It's it's very much a skilled job. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, asking the right question. Is is the is the the issue here? I've always thought that uh, taking a, a good measurement and and asking the right question of the technology will give you the right answer. That's what I'm trying to say, and uh, that's every bit as true of uh, of speaker calibration. 
uh, what people refer to as rim correction, as it is for, I mean, if you've ever done any kind of acoustic treatment, it's, you can't just, you can't just bluff that stuff. You can't just go, oh, let's just stick some stuff up and it's bound to be better. It, it may or may not be. It very much depends. And it's, uh, thankfully, there's not quite as much money at stake if you just kind of like run a, run a few sweeps and you get it wrong, you just do it again. You haven't <laughs> bought a yeah. load of stuff and screwed it into the walls. Um, you know what looks interesting, though, is the new, and you wrote about this in the article, the new IK Multimedia iLoud monitors that are going to be coming out with the built-in ARC room correction. That That's kind of a next-level stuff where you're getting it built in. It's not about running a plug-in on your bus like you do with Sonarworks. And it's just kind of, uh, you know, adaptive in right in the speaker with internal DSP. That looks kind of interesting. Uh, that's not new, though. It's, what's, it's not, what strikes me as, as potentially kind of uh, quite new. I don't know. I don't know how much they're going to cost, but I think that's bringing it down in price to a, mm-hmm. a level I haven't seen before. First time I used that stuff was on the eighty twenty series Genlex, and I mean I must have been doing that ten years ago. With the, but that was you bought. A, I, I forget how much it was. It, it certainly wasn't cheap. The uh, GML kit from Genlex, which had a lot of little interface box and a calibrated mic with a serial number you put into the software. So and it was all very proper, very good. Not especially friendly. I mean, I have to say, mm. running something like Sonarworks is a much more consumery kind of. Yeah. experience it's it's not it's not designed by engineers for other engineers put it that way right but uh no that that stuff's been around for a while and okay. i i definitely think that having that stuff in hardware is where you want it the thing yeah i, I really i think sonar works work works very well mm-hmm. but i find the software a bit intrusive yeah well, because of that i tend not to use it yeah just I'm with you too. I, I agree too. It's you know you put the plug in on your master, and, and that's okay. You just got to remember to remove it when you're bouncing. But you know, with a lot of us with our interfaces, I'm tracking through UAD console, and you know you got to think about the signal flow and what's getting printed and not where it's being routed to and what you're listening back through. It, it it's just another layer of complication. Can I interrupt you as well? Um, being a novice to all of this, I do have a question. In that, how oh. does DSP built into the actual monitors start affecting the price point? That's a very good question. Question of price, that very much depends. Something like a pair of key threes, um, uh, they're pretty expensive and they've got a lot of DSP in them. But um, actually, in a lot of ways, using DSP is cheaper. And one of the one of the advantages of, of using DSP, depending on how you're using it, is the cost benefit. Just because if you want to build a crossover and this is the most common use for dsp actually is just dealing with the filters and phase correction in the crossover and uh, if you want to do that really accurately with a passive crossover especially uh like close tolerance analog components are expensive and they're not that precise either um whereas if you swap it out for uh, um, a dsp chip um they're Depending on depending on how powerful they are, they're relatively inexpensive. They're certainly cheaper than like a sort of general purpose uh, microprocessor, like you'd find, you know, in in your computer. Um, you know, it brings up another aspect that 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 comes up when you're talking about this. Is now we also have to talk about conversion, converting analog to digital in order for to get to that DSP uh, chip. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, it it can be cheaper. Uh, and that's a really good way to do it because you get much, much more repeatable, consistent results without having to buy really expensive uh, um, analog components. And what's more, you can build filters that you can't practically build in analog. So you can build like super steep, sort of like 96 dB per octave high and low pass filters, which you just can't do sensibly with uh, with analog. But the, it's digital and it involves 
probably two conversions, actually, from from analog on the way into the monitor, into digital to go into the DSP, back out to analog to go to the amplifiers and then to Actually, I think the, um, the Eve Audio has bypassed that second stage of conversion. They somehow have a way of... I didn't get that. I read yeah. that and I went, how can you do that? But, okay. Yeah, they, it's part of their technology. It, it, they, they, they've done away with that second mm. stage of conversion. You know, there's another aspect of DSP also, which is the part that's hidden from the users that the manufacturers use on their own when they're assembling these speakers, just taking internal measurements, you know, to get the woofers with the cabinet that they're in, you know, making adjustments like that. My understanding is that's all done with DSP as well. Oh, th- certainly. I mean, you can test bed this this stuff on a computer, but I mean, th- something that uh, if you can if you can if you can build uh, a a speaker that isn't flat but in a very consistent and repeatable way, then you can right. correct for that using yeah. DSP. Yeah. And uh, I mean, this has been—you don't need DSP to do it. You, it. People used to do it with uh, with analog filters as well. You remember the old Bose eight hundred twos? Yeah, I used to have some with my band, and you, and you had a little yeah. EQ box that went with it. Yeah. yeah, and that's what that was doing. It was correcting it because they were—they were like what was it, eight little four-inch drivers yeah. or something? I don't know how they got the low end that they did, but it was fantastic. Well, I think I think that box. Did you ever run them run them flat without without the EQ box? I don't recall. It was so long. I wasn't doing sound, but that I, sound I, very I we did have them. But no, this is this is. This is correction in that in that you know they they weren't flat but they were not flat in a very specific way and you could correct for it and you can do that in DSP very accurately and very economically so it's 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 a it's a it's a interesting question just because it's like what's DSP for it's like well it depends what you want it to do because if you can ask it the right question it can probably give you the answer you can get it to do whatever you want in a very efficient way in terms of money okay, I got a question time. for you can you use DSP to control the angle of dispersion out of let's say the tweeters or you know to narrow Ooh, the dispersion right okay thing? now this is this is going off the off my off my pay grade but I've been talking <laughs> to it really is just because I was I was at an event with um uh, I'm, there's two kinds of filters. I'm, I'm probably going to say something that isn't true here. So somebody who knows more about this, don't shout at me. I've just said I don't – at the edge of my knowledge about this stuff. But you've got uh, – uh, there are infinite impulse response filters and there are finite impulse response filters. And the ones that I feel like I understand are the infinite impulse response filters, which are pretty much analogous to uh, to analog filters. Although you can create some filters that are, that you can't really make using analog components, but they're behaving pretty much the same way, as far as I can tell. If this is wrong, email, and I'll be fascinated to hear all about it. I'm going to have a conversation with Bruno Putzies of uh, Key, who who agreed to kind of like talk through some stuff with me because I said, "Oh, I need to know more. You, I need I need an expert, and he's most definitely an expert." So, um, but uh, there are also another class of of filters uh finite impulse response filters which do other stuff and i kind of uh would, this was hinted towards me and anyone who does this stuff for a living will be laughing at me saying you're so ignorant but yes i am i'm putting my hand uh, i was at an event with uh for head audio and i was talking to to uh to klaus the designer of the of the head speakers and he was talking through how he designed the the tower mains and I noticed that he was he was talking about controlling controlling stuff to do with dispersion and and was referring to using filters to do it and I went what and this was clearly a use of filters that I wasn't familiar with and I'm determined to find out about because I like learning new stuff and I'm going to leave it at that I don't know something but I'm going to find out which is the appropriate response to not knowing something 
Okay. So uh, I admitted on air I don't know something. That doesn't happen often, but uh, we should probably move things along. In the competitions this month, we have, uh, over the month of July 2019, we have two special competitions you don't want to miss out on. Enter to win one of 10 free six-month studio plan subscriptions from Bounce Boss worth £54. Bounce Boss reinvents online audio collaboration. We've tested it. We love it. We recommend it for seamless audio collaboration. There's nothing that comes close to Bounce Boss. Check out our review in the win article. And enter to win one of three Fusion IR-based convolution reverbs by our friends at Liquid Sonics. Win either 7th Heaven or 7th Heaven Professional, both being faithful recreations of the legendary Bacasti reverb, or Lustrous Plates, Liquid Sonics' latest plate verb. These are serious reverbs for serious audio engineers. To be in with the chance of winning either of these competitions, do follow the link in the podcast notes. So, on to talking point two. And uh, Eli, before we came on, you were telling me about the Plugin Alliance mega subscription, uh, which is kind of uh, uh, buy everything. No, no, that's the one thing it isn't. It is not a buy everything. It's have everything uh, by taking up a subscription. And uh, we were talking about... uh, the general direction of travel that we're seeing amongst uh, well, pretty much everyone towards subscription. Now, we, we've covered this before in that, yeah, you can't buy um, uh, outright licenses for software as easily as you used to be able to because for various reasons that's not as attractive to brands. And um, sometimes to, to some users it's not as attractive either, it should be said, to be fair. But I, I certainly started to notice a bit of a kind of uh, – ecosystem developing of, of, of several different offers, different styles of the same thing. So, for example, we're seeing more and more rent-to-buy. So you did something that felt like a subscription, but by the end of a fixed period, you had uh, perpetual use of a product. And they seem to be kind of well thinning out, and yeah. we seem to be seeing fewer of them. Uh, so this Plug-in Alliance thing, um, what is it? Well, what's unique and interesting about the Plugin Alliance offer is that they have over 100 plugins. I mean, Slate, McDSP, Exponential Audio, lots of people have subscriptions and they're great, but you really get a huge palette of, of plugins here, hundred over 100 plugins. It's great value and they've been really good at uh, sort of grandfathering in people who've already spent money on owning some of their plugins by giving discounts to the subscription rate. Um, is it for everyone? I don't know. I mean, everyone's going to have to decide on their own. But the thing that strikes me is, do we want and need all those plugins? I mean, this this brings up another you know topic that's been discussed. But I think there's a certain point of diminishing returns where when you have too much, it actually detracts from your creativity and productivity because there's just too much and you can't get to know enough of it well enough to really get the most out of it. Okay, so this... I mean, that, that's, that's the way my brain works anyway. You know? I've, I'm not serious about this, but it did it did spark off you saying that, uh, sort of an amusing thought that I had uh, a few days ago, which is I was thinking about the... Uh, was it Pro Tools 2018 introduced the search for plugins feature, which, um, uh, which I, don't, I don't know. Emma, do you use that? No, you I don't. Never do do no. you? You know of it though. You know it. Yeah, I've heard yeah. of it, but I haven't tried it. Okay. Well, I mean, it's it's very straightforward. You just you click on an insert slot and just start typing, and it just populates a list of options you could mean. So it, either plugin names or or presets. So it's like autocorrect for Pro Tools. Yeah, predictive text for Pro Tools. Oh dear, yeah. oh dear, that would be. <laughs> but um, uh, the thing about that is that um. Uh, it did occur to me that actually it isn't a replacement for just browsing the menu. The, the the plugins menu. 
just because if you know what you want, you can get to it quickly. But sometimes you don't know what you want. And it's a bit like the difference between uh, uh, looking looking for stuff uh, looking for stuff on uh, any kind of streaming site, for example. This is probably quite a good uh, analogy, actually, between streaming and these deals, actually, just in terms of kind of like here's more content than you asked for. Choose something, right? And that can be quite liberating because it's like oh what about this maybe we should watch that or you know i'm thinking i'm thinking in terms of kind of like netflix or something at the moment but it could just as easily be music but if you don't know what you want what you actually want is you want the experience of browsing through something to get some ideas uh, or maybe mm-hmm. even some level of sort of curation some you know here's here's something and you know, the equivalent of going on to you know terrestrial <laughs> you know watching live broadcast perish the thought um <laughs> but with these what i what i kind of thinking is that uh that search feature kind of obscures how much you actually have. Do you see what I mean? So if 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 you if you rely on that a lot, then it'd be very easy to accumulate a load of stuff that you 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 had and you never use and you never see and may as well not be there just because you go with what you know. In the same way as when I go into Tidal and I think, oh well this is some fantastic music. And I'm thinking, right, right now I can think of two artists and about three songs. That's it. What's happened to my mind? I need I need some stimulus to start off some direction to go in because the choice is too is too wide. So I'm I'm wondering how I'd respond to it. I mean I'm not a waves user. Uh but the idea of having the Mercury bundle um doesn't appeal to me just because I'm going, wow, that's a lot of stuff. And there's yeah, possibly the same thing going on here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, their stuff is good, but, you know, I can imagine people subscribing to this new plugin alliance deal. They're going to download, I don't know, 120, 110, whatever it is, plugins. They're going to have a huge plugin folder. I'm just wondering how they're going to go about interacting with it all. You know, I, I think ultimately, if you spend enough time with them, you'll find the half a dozen that you really like or the dozen that, you you know, you go to most of the time. And that's fine. That It's like going to an all-you-can-eat buffet. You're not going to have everything that's at the buffet. You'll have the half a dozen things you like and as much of it as you want. But... You know, so you'll interact with this by downloading them all, having them all there, hopefully getting to know a handful of them well enough that you can really get some mileage out of them. And I, I, that's good enough. I think that that's that's that that's maybe the ideal sort of end game for for a subscription thing like this, I think. In which case, um, I mean, I, I just kind of thinking. I mean, I know th- I know the products very well, and uh, and some of them I, I really, really like. I have to say that it's some really good stuff. Not necessarily the most exciting ones, or the, the most attention-grabbing ones. Headline-grabbing is probably the word I'm looking for, and necessarily the most useful ones. Um, I mean, with the Plugin Alliance stuff, probably my my, my favourite product they, they they brought out was um, uh, was Metric AB. I thought it was a most fantastic mm. thing, and that wasn't like a console emulation or something. Kind of like really wow, you know, it was it was a really useful tool that answered answered an issue that I had. Um, yes. I don't know really. I mean, uh, I'm I'm quite used to uh, talking to. I mean, particularly to uh, to Mike, who uh, who can be who can be uh, quite conservative about these things. But Emma, um, in terms of third party use of third party plugins in post, um, yeah. it's a kind of slightly different world. Um, are are stock plugins kind of the 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 way to get stuff done in your world or? You- it kind of depends. It depends on the mixer. I mean, like Plugin Alliance is something that I'll never go near. Just by looking at their website, none of those plugins are going to relate to what I'm doing. So it's something it, it, subscription based. It kind of makes sense, but 
not with the plugins they have on the site. And I know you touched on the Waves uh, plugin bundle. The reason why I love that is because most of the plugins that are there, every facility that you go into, especially as a freelancer, they all have it. Sure. Well, that's interesting. It's a good point. You know, the, the ubiquitous aspect of Waves, it's true. I mean, Waves yeah. is kind of like the grandfather of all these, you know, plug-in. Uh, they were the first at the, at, at the Post, actually, back in the 90s. And, yeah, I mean, that's an interesting point. And to be honest, the Waves bundles, I mean, the reason why so many people buy them is because it saves you so much money. Like cost-wise, it's so much more cost-efficient to buy that bundle as opposed to all the different individual plugins that you're going to need out of it. And I mean, especially as a freelancer, you tend to get a, a kind of freelancer guide when you work with facilities and it asks you to have specific plugins. So Orex is one of them. We always have to have Orex to denoise, um, especially if you're working in factual. And the other is always Waves. And generally they ask you to have the bundle, but they'll have specific plugins within that bundle that you want, they want you to have. And if you go by about buying them separately, well, I mean, you're just costing yourself even much, even more money than you need. So which bundle are you talking about from Waves? The Waves Gold is generally gold. the one that we go to. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I have the gold bundle. It's, that's great value. I mean, it's, you get, yeah. usually it's on sale for about $200 or, you know, usually around there. And yeah, it's, uh, I was, the, I was, I was guessing we weren't talking Mercury here because I was, uh, gold. yeah, <laughs> sorry. But the, oh, this, are you talking changed. about Mercury or? No, 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 no. Gold makes a lot of sense. But, uh, yeah. I mean, the thing that, thing that I find, um, interesting about that is that, um, uh, it's, this is all about unused potential. And that's the that's the objection to this whole kind of like you can have everything, yeah. but you you're not going to use it actually yeah. because like you know, who on earth is going to use that much? But the uh, if you're guaranteed to to use because of compatibility, guaranteed to use you know a a certain proportion of whatever, then the value proposition is absolutely made already before you even before you even go in, and that that does make perfect sense. It's I think there's a, there's have we used the expression diminishing returns yet? Yeah. I, because I, I, it's that whole thing about if you've got too much, it's very yeah. easy to get acquisitive about these things. And it's enormous fun to open open a load of and look at them all. I mean, we've all done that with like demos and stuff. And going, oh, I must have a look at that. And you, that's literally what you do is you have a look at it, you put it away, and then next time you come to it, the, the demo's expired because you didn't use it. Yeah. But I mean, the, the downside of this plugin alliance thing that I could see happening is users getting the subscription, downloading 100 plugins, and yeah, just randomly opening them, messing around with them, calling up presets, use it, oh, this sounds good on that, this sounds good on that, but never really getting, you know, just sort of flitting from one to the other, but never really getting into any one of them deeply. Enjoying yourself opening and closing things isn't the same thing as getting work done. Agreed, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I'd, for the sake of kind of like balance here, we're, we're using the Plugin Alliance thing as, as, as an example. Right. But we could say this just as easily of any other brand. And I mean, the more the larger the catalogue, then the more pronounced the issue we're pointing out becomes. But it's, that's it's, that's but, the thing with Plugin Alliance. It is much more of a pronounced catalogue or you know voluminous catalogue than the others. Which, in in one way, you'd say is is a great thing because look how much you get. But that's right. kind of the problem at the same time because yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's 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 about it's about balancing balancing um, appetite against. Uh, uh, stomach size, isn't it? <laughs> That's a great metaphor, yeah. <laughs> if you have ever tried to do interviews over the internet with apps like Skype, you'll know how hit and miss the audio quality and connection can be, and even on a good day, it isn't really good enough for a long-form interview. 
We now use Source Connect Now, which offers ISDN equivalent quality audio using a Chrome browser, no software to install. To get your free account, follow the link in the podcast notes. And we're on to Find of the Week, which uh, if James were here, he'd 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 shriek through loads of reverb, uh, but he's not. So I'm going to say, this is Find of the Week, sponsored by RSPE Audio Solutions. RSPE Audio carries every great audio interface on the market, from brands like Universal Audio, Focusrite, Apogee, Avid, Burl, Antelope, RME, and more. Not sure which interface to buy? RSPE's team can help you find the perfect interface to fit your workflow and your budget. Shop online or contact their team with any questions. So, Eli, what is your find of the week? A new plugin that I just got to have and got to own, and I want it, and it's on sale, and I want it now. Well, only one. <laughs> no, my find of the week, I haven't bought it yet, but I'm, I'm sitting on the fence. It's uh, There's a great deal at Plugin Boutique. They have the KV331 Synthmaster 1 Wavetable Synth on sale for $29, and they have, in addition to this special, anytime you buy anything at Plugin Boutique this entire month, they also throw in a free version of Dope, which is a drum machine from UJAM. It's like an electronic drum machine. And um, the Synthmaster 1, you know... It appeals to me because it's it's a heavy-duty synth. You know, we can all, I mean, we all like to have nice meat and potatoes synths that you can dig into. And the reason I'm kind of vacillating about it is I'm doing some prep now for a series of Groove 3 that I'm going to be working on uh, involving some electronic music production. And I kind of don't want to get, you know, something like this where it's going to be 100 presets and they all sound great where I can just call up a preset and, and, and use it. I can't do that in a video, in an instructional video. I can't say, you want a riser? Here, I'm going to scroll through my riser preset. So there's a great riser, drag it in and it sounds great and you're done. I can't really do that in a video because you got to show how to build them from scratch. So what I, as that's why I'm, I'm not sure. I kind of want to have more of a palette to work with, but I don't know if I want to get into another synth with a million presets to go through and... Anyway, that's just my own personal, you know, quandary about whether I want to get it or not. But it is a great deal. If you're looking for a nice bread and butter, meat and potatoes, whatever metaphor you want to use, synth, it's a really nice meaty one that you can dig into. And it's good value, $29 plus the freebie electronic drum machine dope from UJAM. That I can comment on because I know the, the UJAM drummers really well. And uh, yeah, yeah, I like them. That's not the one that I use a lot because it's not really kind of stylistically the one for me, but they're so easy to use. They're fantastic. You know, I just did a, some videos on the drummer updates for the, the Virtual Drummer 2 updates, but this is a different one, Dope. I haven't used this one. Okay, great. Emma, what about you? Uh, my one is not new, but it's kind of new to me to be using every day, which is uh, Altiverb by AudioEase, which is a reverb. Um, so I was struggling to find a really good reverb that had great presets to start me off um, for when I'm doing playbacks of ADR in session with clients. And I don't have time to faff about and, you know, change the settings and address the EQ. I just need something that I can click a preset. I know it's going to be roughly right and just go. And after doing a call out on Twitter, a lot of people suggested Altiverb. And I have to say, it's been amazing. I've been trialing it the last few days and it's just so handy for speed when you're doing a playback of ADR with clients. Sounds good it. as well, that one, doesn't it? I've, 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 yeah. I haven't got it, but I've used it. I love stuff like that. I love convolutions, basically, for all of those reverbs that I never have a use for. Going, okay, I've got a, <laughs> I've got a you know, 1992 Ford Transit. Fantastic, <laughs> you know. But uh, yeah, love well, all you that may stuff. not have a use for it, but I definitely do. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> uh, so, Julian, what's yours? 
Uh, mine's mine's more of a rediscovery than a, a find of the week because uh, I've referred to this on the site before. Even if, I can't remember if I've ever, ever had it as a as a find of the week, but I found uh, my uh, Sennheiser Ambio Smart headset and its smart little white drawstring pouch, and went that is a fantastic thing. And I've referred to this a few times that uh, that I've, I've relocated recently. I'm, I'm now in I'm now in Cornwall. And I've been out and about in all sorts of lovely places because there are loads of lovely places to go in Cornwall. And uh, plug into an iPhone, bit of binaural recording, nice immersive playback with a bit of video for kind of uh, some of the interesting places I've been going and just kind of recording them and seeing what they sound like um, for my own amusement. And yeah, if you haven't tried binaural recording, this is a really good way to do it just because, uh, yeah, it's 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 so easy and so convenient. I can remember doing this stuff back in the 90s and it really wasn't that straightforward to do and certainly not as mobile as just pulling out basically a pair of earbuds out of your pocket and plugging them into your phone. So, That's yeah. great. You know, on a related note, I don't know if you saw, but I did a post on Logic Pro Expert this week on Hookverse, which is binaural, same kind of thing, binaural recording headset. And I was very impressed with the the capture. The sound, you know, the playback for listening to music was, you know, nothing to, to write home about. But the capture was very interesting. You know, the, the, the thing with these, I don't know on those ones, but the first thing I did when I got these uh, this Sennheiser Ambio thing was uh, um, I was I, I, I went to a gig. Mm. And uh, I thought, well, this will be this will be this will be the tester because uh, can you can you throttle back the gain enough for it not just to completely square wave at gig levels? And no, it was absolutely fine. And uh, yeah, so hopefully you could pull it back. And if you did drums, was that right? Yeah, I yeah I did do drums in my in the hook verse, and they sounded great. I was in a great room, but uh, check out the video if you haven't. I, I was impressed with the evenness of of the capture from those little micro microphones great fun isn't it but you've got to have video because if you've got a visual reference as well the whole thing falls into place it's fantastic yeah no i have video too great stuff all right well i think we should wrap it up there so uh that's uh everything from me so uh it's good night from me and good night from me and good night from me good night